for over three years on Tuesdays. At this time, we talked with Dr. Doug Casper, University of Illinois College of Medicine, uh, trying to keep us understanding what's happening as we were in the early days of the pandemic, then the middle days, and all of a sudden we have variants happening. Uh, and then now we're at this place. Doctor, it wasn't lost on me that on Sunday, that giant crowd in the Super Bowl stadium felt good to look at. You know, everybody was uh, back to whatever this version of normal. It's a little different, but it felt good that we're all back doing those things. Good morning. Hi, yeah, good morning. Yeah, this is um, this has been a nice prolonged period here of very, very little news. Uh, certainly little as far as uh, news suggesting anything will change or, or dramatic things happening in other parts of the world that we have to watch for here. In fact, a lot of our uh, tools and institutions that we've been accustomed to using are starting to go away. Um, you know, one of the main tools early during COVID was the Johns Hopkins COVID tracker, uh, tracker is shutting down in March. Uh, there, it won't even be updated anymore. Wow. That was a preeminent tool for three years to track cases and real-time data. We've talked about uh, the government uh, ending the uh, pandemic response period in May. We've talked about vaccine changes to more of an annual period in September. But as far as coming into some sort of order uh, with predictability, this appears to be the best period we've had in, in the last three years. Yeah, that's good news. Can you uh, help us understand something? We talk a lot about it, uh, about immunity and people with compromised immune systems were most vulnerable during the pandemic, still are, I guess. Uh, Danny's uh, dealing with chemo stuff, so he's he's got his immune system out of whack. But uh, a, a person, uh, let's take Dan's scenario out of it, but uh, a person who is not uh, currently uh, having cancer treatments or such, what does the average person do to improve their immune system? Yeah, um, so I'm going to answer it two ways. The first way, which we, there's actually commercials that have started to run more. They're not uh, they're not as clear as what they're advertising, but there still remains a COVID therapy, a, a Paxlovid. The pill is widely available, and continuing data shows that for individuals that may be at higher risk due to an underlying immune event or if it's unclear that the vaccines were beneficial for them, Paxlovid remains a very viable option for somebody that uh, becomes sick with COVID. And so we've almost glossed over that there's a pill that you can pick up at, at any pharmacy that is, uh, is useful. And so that doesn't boost your immune system by itself, but it's an antiviral that remains incredibly useful for the, for those individuals. And so that therapy is out there. Uh, that can be obtained through your physician if you, if you test positive for COVID. As far as increasing immune system, immune systems are so unique to the individual. Um, you know, there are some things that are, are just general health metrics as far as eating healthy and exercising and sleeping, like lowering stress within your life that are beneficial to your immune system. But there isn't really a way to measure it. There's not a, a, an easily available test. And so, um, you know, for, for people that are on therapeutics that we know lower their immune system, that's where a therapy like Paxlovid, having that in reserve, can be, can be very helpful. But uh, immune systems are the wave of the future in medicine, meaning expect future therapies to be, uh, to be tailored to individual immune systems, but we're just not completely there yet. 
You know, and, and another thing that um, I have learned and read about this is <clears throat> it may seem boring to some people, but your body loves routine. Prescribed exercise at a time, protecting your sleep. I know it varies from person to person, but in general, uh, you know, a solid seven to eight hours, going to bed earlier and on time, uh, even on the weekends, to have a set routine with your body. Your body gets used to digestive when you eat at certain times, when you sleep. By putting your body in a routine, uh, what I've been reading is, is amongst other things, something that your body likes for building its immune system. Yeah, you know, if you think of the human body at, at a very basic level as far as reproduction, you know, fertility cycles are, are based off of a, a cycle. Our, our bodies are based off of predictable cycles. And what also parallels that is these are hormone levels. And so our body gets used to releasing signals at certain times of the day, whether it's to give you energy or it's to say you're hungry or to facilitate rest and sleep at night. And so there are ways to get those patterns to be more to your benefit. And and the things you mentioned, which is predictable sleep pattern, having a degree of exercise or physical activity in your life, and then um, healthy healthy food choices all support those over a long-term support very healthy uh, cycle within your life. 745, we're talking with our friend Dr. Doug Casper, University of Illinois College of Medicine here in Peoria. You were talking earlier about uh, the, the kind of a relatively quiet period we've been enjoying. And I did see a story, this was published in The Lancet, I think just yesterday, that we we do keep an eye on other countries and that currently there's no new variants coming out of China. You know, they had that big uh, explosion of cases, but it didn't it didn't uh, uh, change. Uh, can you explain that? Why why would that be? Yeah. So for a new variant to take over, there has to be something that it does better. It has to either evade the immune system or it has to replicate more easily, more quickly. And because of the changes that uh, the virus has gone through over three years, that's become harder and harder to achieve. Um, we talked before that at a, a basic level, the virus is a sequence of RNA material, and it has a very it has a finite number of options as far as changes it can make. And so we, you know, it's felt like this has been infinite long, like right. that any change could occur forever, but that's not the case. Uh, there is a set number of changes that can happen, and at some point, the virus kind of achieves its its optimal state. And so I'm not sure that that means that there won't be changes in the future, but the, the, the degree, how quickly it was happening and how often we were talking about it has certainly slowed. Go ahead, Danny. Well, I, I was also reading in retrospect that um, we might have, and obviously we did it for good reasons, but we might have overreacted in a complete shutdown because by isolating ourselves, I mean, herd immunity is a, a very powerful force. But when we isolated ourselves, we may have stopped the spread. But at the same time, uh, we opened our, you know, we shut off the seasonal flu. We shut off other bacteria and viruses that we normally come in contact with. And so uh, they're looking for that optimum middle should another virus or pandemic, so to speak, 
come down the road where maybe it's not the best thing to completely isolate to figure out how to mitigate somewhat of a normal life instead of going to an extreme. Yeah, I think that that concept will be the most uh, widely debated part of COVID for the next decades. And I think that um, when you look back, there was a clear period in the beginning where we had lacked information. We had no testing. We had no therapeutics. We had no vaccine. And then as those things became available, uh, the, the response could have been adjusted accordingly based off, based on those. And, um, you know, most people went through this. This was the first pandemic of our lifetime. Um, and so there was some knowledge gained on, on how to evolve those institutions, evolve those things to our, our individual public. But I think you're correct that there was a transition period, which were clearly learning impacted many things business, school, arts, sports, things that are very important within our communities that we would have done differently in retrospect. One last thing, Doctor, and then we'll let you get back to your busy day. Uh, the Republicans, I'm not trying to make this a political thing with you, but I just want to tell this story and lead, lead to the question. Republicans are launching a COVID origins probe to try to get to the bottom of, of where the uh, COVID outbreak occurred. How did this happen? Literally, where did it start? Just as a as a uh, thought uh, from somebody that n- knows what you know, how difficult is it to determine that? Are we but ever going to be able? How important is it? I think it's a little important if it like, started in a lab, but but yeah. can we ever really do it? Yeah, I'm not sure. You know, that as far as you know, having some sort of um, genetic material that tracks to an individual case, that probably doesn't exist, but. There are certainly things that hint at when, at least when the virus was circulating. We've talked before that it was it was present in sewer systems uh, at least months before there was wide outbreak in the U.S. other parts of the world. And there's even evidence that there was out um, cases uh, within the area in China as early as August and September wow. of 2019. So we definitely know that there was probably cycling of the virus before it became at a very high level. But being able to track it to the beginning is probably a part of history now. And and real quick, this fascinates me, and I'm not up to speed on this, but you brought it up. Um, This idea of tracking disease by, by monitoring our sewer systems, is this relatively new? And do you think this is something that we may use in the future as the quote unquote canary in the coal mine? Oh, it's while it's widely available data that's done for quality control purposes uh, before this, meaning that it was part of that institution to monitor. But even on top of that, what's gained off of uh, internet searches and social media, you know, when people get sick, they tend to Google the same phrase over and over and over again: fever, chills, cough. And when that amplifies from a very specific area, whether it's geographic or zip code, you can start to track these things in real time well before people show up at hospitals. Wow. And so there will be tools like that. Now, I mean, we all know about privacy, but sure. that's been going on for a decade using searching to, uh, search engines. To try that's to interesting. It. All right, sir, thanks so much. Have a great week. That's Dr. Doug Casper.